Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, New Hope. Am I on? Check, 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 check. Um, I, just a couple of reminders quickly. First of all, I know that they announced this, but please uh, don't be negligent this evening. Show up. We're going to have tables spread out all over the altar. There's going to be all kinds of gifts and goodies and things, non-perishable items that we can pack and send across the world, across the globe to a child ages, I think they have from 2 all the way to 14 um, that we're going to be packing for. Most of you have probably already done your shopping. If you have gone to places like uh, the Dollar Tree or Dollar General or all these places that have cheaper things so you can maximize and really pack that box, um, those places have been busy this weekend. Um, I, I just talked to somebody yesterday. Rolling Plains is kind of the hub where all these things go. And Rolling Plains, just their church, is looking to um, do more than 750 boxes. Just their church. So you can imagine from the community what's going to be coming in to be sent across the world to a child who otherwise would not experience Christmas. And also we can include little Gideon Bibles and notes and messages and scriptures and salvation plans. And I believe if you get online, you can pay that $7 and it's an extra... Six dollars, so it's a total of 13 per box where you can actually have that kid be discipled for I think six to eight weeks or something, 12 weeks. So an extra six bucks helps that kid get discipled for 12 weeks. It comes with the workbook and the people that would come along with that and do the instruction, the curriculum, and so forth. So what an opportunity to throw in a few dollars and not just give them gifts with the God bless you, but give six more dollars, and they're going to be trained and taught for 12 weeks with the curriculum in that country. So um, show up tonight. It's a lot of fun. We put on Christmas music. We pack our boxes. We laugh. We have a good time, and we stack those things over there, and then and within a day or two, they're taken to Rolling Plains. Um, and I think the pickup date at Rolling Plains is a week, right? Like maybe next Sunday or next weekend? Okay. So if you are unable to be here tonight due to work or whatever circumstances, you can still do a box and get it to Rolling Plains down by Maysville Schools uh, anytime this week, okay? Um, also, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, uh, are the, the pastor of the church is away in California. John is moving. He has all kinds of stuff to do, and he likes when especially Ruth comes out and helps the, him uh, move everything and set everything up and design everything and go to the stores and get certain things. So they are there, and they will be back on their anniversary, um, which, gosh, is like 46 years that they've been married. They're coming back on their 46th wedding anniversary, which is Sunday the 22nd. I very rarely get an opportunity to be behind the pulpit on a Sunday morning due to my schedule and being over there on Sunday evenings with the youth ministry. Um, so I'm excited to be able to preach today and next Sunday morning. I'm excited for that, what God is going to do in, in my life during that time of preparation and so forth and what he wants to speak, speak to his saints. Um, also, obviously, keep perishing your prayer. I know that some of you have changed your profile pictures. Um, could be a chain reaction here. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven if I die, so I'm okay. I'm not freaking out. People are going to have a hold of nuclear weapons and don't think for a few minutes they're not going to use them. The world is an insane place. It's what we have come to. We have done it to ourselves. It's just the way that it is. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. 
Let's try that again. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. My goodness, I don't think that I'm going to get into to the message. I don't think that there has ever really been a time when our testimony and our personal salvation experience in the Lord Jesus Christ has ever been needed more than it's needed right now in the earth. Psalm 107.2 says, I'll repeat it again, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen? Amen. So this morning, I'm going to attempt to, I'm praying for a breakthrough this morning. Um, We may not really feel, I haven't been feeling for quite a while now, and God continues to have mercy and compassion on me when I'm preparing a message to give me scripture, to give me ideas and thoughts and maybe what he wants, but I'm not at the top of my spiritual game right now. Can anybody relate? And, and I know that a lot of you out there may not be at the top of your spiritual game. However, nevertheless, I do know that I am now free from the penalty and dominion of sin. I may not be operating very well right now, but I know that I am free from the penalty of sin. I know that I am free from the dominion of sin. His victory has become mine, has become yours by faith. And ours to tell to the world, especially now. Romans 10.14 says, as Paul said, how shall they hear without a preacher, without somebody telling us, telling them? Tell other people about Jesus. Tell them how he has made your heart glad. Has he done that this morning? Some of you have been changed miraculously recently. And maybe you're excited to find out what God has for you on this side of eternity. Some of us are years old in the Lord and we're still wondering what God has for us on this side of eternity because I don't think we've broken through to really find out and we settle and we end up living in this wilderness our whole lives. And if we don't come into the plan of God now, we will end up living in the wilderness our whole lives. Some of you in your heads are witnessing to the fact that, yes, that's true. I know there was something for me. The enemy has condemned me. The enemy has accused me. I, I know that I've missed something. And we're willing to live in the wilderness the rest of our lives. But I'm here to say to you today that that is not true in New Hope Church needs a breakthrough. It's it's about a changing of our lives from day to day. Talking to other people about the assurance that I have when I die. Talking to other people that they too can be free from this eternal separation from God. I know that I have things to say to the cashier at the store, but most of the time I don't. I know that I could say something that could change the course of their lives. But most of the time I don't. As King David once did, he ran toward every enemy that tried to stop him. He he ran towards every enemy and we need to run towards every enemy that's trying to stop us and and to tell the people about the love of God in Christ. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, I want to give you a visual today. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares or besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that we set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. There is a great cloud of witnesses. I want you to kind of picture heaven as this infinitely huge stadium. A cloud of witnesses that have been here already, that have ran their race, that have crossed the threshold of the brink into their reward. And there is a stadium full as far as the eye can see of people that are cheering you on, saying you can do it. Your, your trial, your, your hardship, your valley, you can get through it. And they're cheering for you. And they're saying we've been through it. We know that there is victory on the other side. Don't grow weary in doing good. You have to get through this. And they're cheering you on, this cloud of witnesses. All these struggles and trials that they had. They've made it, but we have not at this point. So they're encouraging you. They're cheering for you. The passage of Scripture that we just read kind of speaks of this great race that that we're called to run. And, And when we came to the Lord, He became our Savior. And God's Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of our physical body. In other words, we became the temple of the living God. We were born again by the Spirit of God. And the old things in our lives that once um, hindered us and that once governed us should be and should have been made new. They began to pass away. We become a new creation with new strength, with new thoughts, with a new heart. A new mind, a life of supernatural possibility was at that point open to us. Have you embraced it this morning? Have we embraced this? God has purposed to glorify His name throughout the earth. And that is why I, Adam King, am still here. He hasn't taken me out yet. The car should have killed me. I should have died from this. There's been a lot of close calls in my life, and God decided to keep me here still for something. I am not of no use. And we are still here to fulfill the purpose of God and Jesus Christ on the earth. We are supposed to be in a refutable, irrefutable living testimony to the reality of this incredible grace, this incredible mercy, this incredible love that God has given us because he sent his son on Calvary to die for me. In a, in a day that we are in right now where morality has kind of been um, um, I'll use the phrase relegated to the outer fringes of society like a, a, a green, a golf course. It seems like morality is kind of like looking in and saying, do you not have room for us? There's no room at the end for morality in this nation anymore. So it's been completely relegated. Civility is quickly just becoming a thing that is of the past and, and family breakups are common. I deal with the bottom 5 or 10% of the kids that get in trouble at school, but it's not just their families. It's most families come from a family that is not a biblical family. 
It's just true. It's so common. Teenagers are living in such sin, and the Bible says inventors of evil. And just when I think we've seen it all as educators, as people that work with kids and families, you've seen it all, then something else happens, and you're blown away again. It's so common now, this debauchery. You know, these ridiculous crimes that are being committed don't even make front page anymore because they happen so much. You don't even hear about most of the stuff. I get, I get a, I'm a group of administrators at Maysville that get an email that say, here's what's going on in the, in the nation with um, shootings and with threats and with all these things. And the staff don't get that. And some people are like, don't send me this stuff anymore. It, I, I don't want to, but I get probably a dozen a day of things that the, the people in our nation never hear about. And there's shootings and threats and stuff every day I get them. But we don't hear about them because they're so common. And we wouldn't want to freak people out. And it, it is imperative that we start running this race. We're all called at New Hope to run a race, corporately, collectively. But there's an individual, unique plan of God for all of us. That we need to actually start running and look the enemy in the eye, punch him in his throat, whatever it takes, and snap out of it. And I pictured the movie um, Temple of Doom, Harrison Ford, when he's in a trance and they're all saying the num num Shabbat trance and they're getting ready to lower him into the fire. And, and he's, you guys remember this? And, and he's just, he's doing his thing. He's, he's saying the trance because he's into it as well. And short round, the little guy has to take some fire and he, and he snaps out of it. And he, he looks around and, he, and then he does his thing. Dun, 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 and then he comes back and everything's cool. This is the church. Snap out of it. Snap out of it and snap on the devil's back and break it. We need to wake up. We are running together, but we all have our individual part to play. And the race that we are called to run is going to, more often than not, or probably most of the time, involve a pathway that looks impossible. It's impossible in this natural realm. God is not calling us to do anything in our own strength. Jesus made a way for us to run this race by triumphing over evil. He made the impossible possible through this victory he won at the cross. It is in him. I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I know. And that's all right because you're saying I have no strength in my natural self, but in my weakness his strength is perfected. In me and gives me the ability and the power through the Holy Spirit to discern right from wrong, to have the power to choose right over wrong. It's God. It's all God. It's all grace. It's all mercy. I can't do anything, and that's okay. My goodness, new hope. He made all these impossibilities possible through this victory, and now the Lord is simply calling us to be the vessels that he just wants to simply carry his presence on to bring his name to reputation in the earth, to give his name glory. He just requires for us to be willing and to believe, to believe him, to believe what he says, to believe his promises. And even knowing all of these things, it doesn't make this race easy. I personally have days that are so tough, I don't even feel like a Christian. Who knows what I'm talking about? I don't even, I don't, I don't feel like doing anything for God. I don't feel like saying, 
What do you want from me today, God? What do you want me to do? Well, you got to come against that stuff. That's an attitude. And, and we get stuck in this sometimes. And sometimes we'll go days, weeks, months, and years in this trench or this trough of complacency and, and, and just being in a rut. So all these people, this, this cloud of witnesses, all these people that have gone before us, are cheering for us. Now, if you consider David in 1 Samuel 16, 13, and you don't have to put that up, but this is a man who was appointed by God to be king. Does anyone remember a time where somebody came to you or somebody, or you knew in your spirit that God had a call on your life? Something was different. You were excited for the things of God. See, David was anointed to be king. Anointed to be king. But this kind of got lost in all of the stuff that David was going through. See, he was anointed to be king, and he was only a boy when the prophet Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him, and that's in 1 Samuel 16, 13. And he did it in front of all of his brothers, so everybody knew. You ever think that, and then all of a sudden, after years and years, your life has become something that you you thought, well, this should have happened 10 or 15 years ago. I'm I'm not doing anything for God. Then you get discouraged. You're like, well, my time's over. My ministry's spent, and I, I blew it. I'll just wait, try to stay saved, cry, try to get into heaven and not live out my life of what God has called me to be. See, David knew that he was being set apart for God's purposes. He was appointed to lead the people of Israel. His heart was filled with this promise. Has God ever promised something to you? The word's full of promises. If you read the word, you should have some promises. So God, it, it, it's... The word is full of these promises, and he's telling David, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be king. You're going to be a leader over Israel. So this promise and this vision for the future just kind of infiltrated through David, and he was excited. Yet right after the anointing, he was sent right back to looking after his father's sheep. And he's probably thinking, well, where's this great call on my life? And then in the, in the, in he was being prepared. And he didn't know that, but through the word of God, we see that there was a lot of preparation that needed to take place as he was watching over that flock. And one day a lion came into the flock of the sheep and he was protecting. And David, supernaturally filled by this power of God, took the lion by its mouth and slew it, killed it. You think you're tough, dude? Took a lion by the mouth and slew it. And then he, and, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was given the power to grab its mane, to do whatever he needed to do, to snap its neck, to rip its jaws apart from each other. Whatever. David slew a lion with his bare hands by the supernatural power of God. Are there any lions in your life that need slain? And it's only done by the supernatural power of God. This hidden victory, how amazing this hidden victory had to be for David. No one saw it. It wasn't public. No one could cheer and give God the glory for it. It was just David and God and his enemy. And then all of a sudden, a bear comes against this flock, and he did the same exact thing. He slew the bear. And you can see these huge, ferocious bears and lions on TV sometimes through, on different channels, and I wouldn't want to mess with them. And David, by the power of God, just, he just went up and slew them. You're not going to touch what's mine. You're not going to touch this, what God has given this flock to me. I'm going to protect it. So this protective nature that God had put in him, this, this, this desire that David wanted, wanted to see the name of the Lord 
brought to reputation in all the earth. You will not bring, you will not defame the name of the Lord in my, in my flock, in this camp. He did the same thing with Goliath. Goliath, he was later sent to check on his brothers during a season when Israel was at war with the Philistines and they were being taunted daily. We all know the story by a giant named Goliath. And while the rest of the Israelite army stood paralyzed by fear, the Holy Spirit came upon David once again. He courageously didn't walk, didn't kind of check some things out behind some shrubs. He ran, he ran upon Goliath ran upon him, courageously ran into the valley and won a marvelous victory over Goliath. Probably thinking in his head about these secret victories. You delivered me from the paw of the bear, the mouth of the lion. Who's this dude? I'll take him out. Let me have him. So he gets together his little stuff that he's used to, his stones, takes him out, cuts his head off, gives the glory to God. So by that point, it must have seemed like things to David we're seeming pretty good, and, and, and things were just going to get, he's at victory after victory. Things are going to get better and better before his actual purpose of his life was completely fulfilled. But all of a sudden, if you look into Scripture, things started to take a turn, and David found himself, the Bible actually says in 1 Samuel 26, 20, like a partridge in the mountains. Do you remember that? So now you have Dave, who's experienced all these victories, now he doesn't know what is going to happen with his life or if the plan of God or the promises of God are still true. It happens quickly. I remember pastor preaching a message like a year and a half ago that said after some of your greatest victories become some of the, become some of the greatest valleys in opposition. Because the enemy doesn't. You can't live from victory to victory. We have to learn to live in those valleys or else our Christianity is not worth a whole lot. So this is when David, when he was in the mountains like a partridge, just kind of wondering. That's when he actually wrote Psalm 18, when he was at that point. And verse 4 and 5 says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. See, he was basically saying, in every direction I looked, all, all I saw was, was my inability to complete this call that God has placed on my life. So maybe I'm going to have to start to carve out an alternative route because God is not holding up his end of the bargain. And we do this all the time. So I, not knowing how to get out, to go in, not having no idea what God's call was ever going, how it was going to be accomplished, not seeing a way forward and out of this. And how many of us know this feeling? We start running this race with zeal and, ex and we start experiencing victory after victory. I know that God is with me and, and there's... But there's no way that I could have won any of these battles in my own strength. And these bondages in your life and my life were broken. And we entered into these, this, this, this new idea, this, these new realms of freedom. Thinking, I'm no longer held captive. I'm no longer in bondage. Isn't that something to rejoice about? Yet we let the enemy continue to condemn and accuse us. It's because he doesn't want us to get a hold of the full plan and potential of the power of God for our lives because it is a threat to his kingdom that is advancing on this earth very rapidly. We are a threat to his plans. And God gave us the power to be, to be honest. The, the truth sets us free. He gave us the power to be honest with ourselves and honest with others when others aren't willing to tell the truth. But this transparency, this honesty brings freedom. It liberates 
He enabled us to respond um, um, with grace and with mercy, having going through those things to other people. And then we start to kind of conclude after that, wow, God really does have this, this plan for my life, a supernatural call on my life. And then suddenly one day we find ourselves being pursued by the enemy. So David kind of started out running this race. He was convinced that his, his life was going to bring glory to God. So he ran into the valley to face Goliath with the sling and five stones. Is this, it, he was basically just saying in his heart, my God will be honored this day. And he knew it, and he did it. And the outcome was, was just, it was preceded by his faith in the Lord and his confidence in the Lord that he gained from those secret battles that he could now take publicly. It was hard to kind of understand or comprehend that David eventually began running after all these victories in the opposite direction. He starts in the supernatural, but came to a point where he, he, he gave into his natural reasoning. David in 1 Samuel 27.1 says, David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. <laughs> there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Uh, wait, what? But Dave, you were just, well, it's all over. Now, um, how, how must this have felt to David? To be on the side of the Israelites taking out the Philistines, and he ends up on the side of the Philistines. Unbelievable. But we do this. We do this. We go from vic great victory, and all of a sudden, we're on the wrong side of the battle. He was basically saying that, I mean, of course this was false reasoning from the enemy. These false accusations from the enemy. The promise of God that he was going to be the next ruler of Israel still stood, did it not? And many people in our church and in this generation are doing a similar thing. We start out running for God and we have this desire to bring glory to his name and then we find ourselves facing opposition that we don't understand, so we start to back off. And there's this big error that, that we make as Christians, and you can see it all through the land with these seeker-friendly megachurches. This big error that Christians tend to make is somehow assuming that we are going to go through this life unopposed once we come to God and make everything better. And it'll be an easy, breezy life, and everything's cool. You're laughing because you've had difficult times that you've had to trust the Lord through. So if you, as a result, what happens is all across our nation, we end up crafting this, this, this other plan, this alternate plan. And we end up running this race we weren't supposed to run. You ever feel like that? Is the, the, are you convinced in your mind that your ministry's done? Like you're over, like this is it, I can't get any further. If so, today could be your day. Just, I'm not going to do anything crazy. Just Today could be the day where, God, you need to deposit some faith in my heart to get back on this path, this race that you've called me to. Where God has called us to go. The church of, of Jesus Christ cannot afford 
to do this, to, to lose our um, vision, to run another race, or um, to stop running the one that we're in, or to craft an alternate route. We can't afford to do this in the hour that we're living. We have to recognize the time in which we live. I don't know if we are the last generation, but I kind of feel in my heart that we could be. Let's just say potentially we, we could be, right? It's looking like it. It's looking like we're going to see some things. I kept hearing with the whole Paris issue, um, all these things that are happening and how the um, um, evolution of ISIS's name has changed a little bit. Now they're just like, in Islamic State, they're just going after everybody. And it's a series of events and a chain reaction. They're gonna, and I kept hearing on the news, we've never seen the likes of this before. For the first time in the history, um, Paris has a curfew for the first time since 1944. Nothing of the likes has ever happened. When you start to hear those things, it kind of makes you wonder. Like, where are we headed Well, church, where are we headed? What direction are we headed, church? Kind of take a moment to consider the fact that after 2,000 years of, of all this history of Christianity, it comes down to us. After 2,000 years of Christian history, it comes down to me. And I have to live my life right because the time we're living in can play a pretty key role with just representing who God really is. I want to be part of that. We've had, there's no other generation that's had the teaching that we've had. The, 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 new, the, the, the church of Acts in the upper room, they didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. We, we have all these books, we have biographies, everything that, Everything that we have to pre- prepare for and study, and, and now we're called to run behind all those that are in this great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us to fulfill this great calling in our lives. I want you to picture this. Kind of picture, now I know Ohio State won yesterday. I think it makes them 10 and 0. That's good with the lights. And, you know, kind of picture the excitement that is generated pregame. Okay, they have their rituals, they have their routines, they have the stuff that they go through. I remember playing football for years and years and years and being in a locker room, people pumped themselves up, they hit themselves in the head. They, sometimes they just put their earbuds on and just listen and focus. Some are quiet and you've seen movies where some pretty insane rituals take place before sporting events. They're trying to pump themselves up. They're these athletes that have been on um Really, really strenuous regimens of training, conditioning, strength training, endurance, stamina. And Coach Urban Meyer says, we just need you for four to six seconds. Everything you've got for four to six seconds every time they hike the ball. Everything you have. These are big, strong dudes that are getting bigger, faster, and stronger as they train their bodies to do so. So I want you to kind of picture the, the stadium and the excitement and how excited, exciting that would be. You go out and you see the stadium in Ohio State. They have like 110,000. Actually, um, uh, Jen and I and Phil Moore Jr. and his Jen went to the Ohio State-Michigan game last year, and it was a record crowd of 109,000 and some change, and it actually said, record-breaking crowd today. 
And it was loud, and it was in unison, and it was exciting, right? And you can vision this whole stadium being this cloud of witnesses as these Christians come out ready to take on the fight, ready to take on the battle. But I want to kind of propose something to you because they're getting ready, like you're getting ready for tomorrow morning. Sounds like somebody has a case of the Mondays. Don't, don't. I always tell, oh, well, I can't. How you doing today? Well, it's Monday. Yes, and it's an opportunity to have a new week. I wish every day was Monday. It's a fresh start. Be positive about it. If you hate your job, next time you go to complain about a job of your boss, be thankful in this economy that you have one. Be thankful to the Lord. So you're getting ready for Monday morning, tomorrow, the week, the month. What does God have in store for me? Everybody's getting pumped up so you can picture this type of typical scene right before the beginning of a football game. The team comes out of the locker room. They're full of excitement. They all stack and pile up and they're jumping and maybe they do their all these different chants and they jump. They do these things to pump themselves up, to get excited. And they come down the corridor and at the end of this corridor... Usually, a lot of times in college, NFL, even high school, there's a paper wall, right? I've seen a movie one time where these little bitty kids tried to run through a paper wall, and it didn't work. And the paper wall didn't rip or break, and the kids all fell down. And it was on video. It was a riot. It's funny. But it's paper! They look like, what are those... uh, the Keystone Cops, <laughs> where they all run and they all fall all over each other and they get shut out. It's kind of funny, but it's paper. That's all it is, it's paper. And it seems like this little paper wall is what is preventing us from entering into the plan that God has for our lives. And this great cloud of witnesses is saying, it's just paper. You get yourself all pumped up and you're going through and you got your neck bracing, sweating, eye black and the visor. You look mean. Veins are popping out. You've taken your energy and you're ready to do some damage. And then you stop when you get to this. How foolish would it be if you see 60 or 70 people on the roster stop at this paper wall and just kind of look at each other. What are we going to do? I don't know. What do, how are we going to get through this? With all the training that they've had, and they stop, and the crowd is like crying out, what are you doing? It's only paper. That's the title of the message this morning. It's only paper. So you can picture this in college games, NFL games, and they, I mean, put in perspective, really, you get up to this paper wall right up next to it. You don't even really know what's on the other side. You know you were supposed to do something, but you don't really know what's on the other side of this paper wall. It's almost kind of like we're a football team here today, if you're willing to kind of go there with me. And can't, maybe I'm your coach or assistant coach or something for you today, giving you the, the, the plan, the game plan. Here's what we're going to do. But boys, First, we got to get through the wall made of paper. So if we don't get through that part, we've trained for nothing. 
So you have this, we're going out onto the field, we're, and we know we're going to be opposed. We, we, we remember that we are the superior team. We remember that these locker room chats, and we are the superior team, and we know it. And it's true. And we have the superior strategy. And we know it. And it's true. <laughs> and we can't lose. And we already know the victory is ours. And then we get here. As Christians, we've been well trained. And by the way, our weapons aren't even like theirs. It's not even a fair match. Because our weapons aren't carnal. Theirs are. So our, our weapons are, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In some scripture, we have been given the power of, uh, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by many, any means hurt us. We're going to go out and have all the energy in the world supernaturally. Nothing can even hurt us. And we're going to win. To, like The score will be infinity to negative infinity. It won't even be a con- because of the supernatural power of God. But this stops us from even getting to the battle. The victory's ours. And this wall made of paper stops us. It stops me. So we're going out on the field and we know we're going to be victorious. And surely at the end of the match there would be a shout of victory and the crowd going crazy. But how ridiculous it would be for, I mean, picture an NFL team. You watch, maybe you watch the team today. Your team today is televised and you watch it. Maybe they won't have a paper wall. But you picture all those strong dudes. They get to the paper wall and they're like, what are we going to do? I don't, I don't know. What do you want to do? Can you imagine? How foolish. So you have the, the NFL team or a college team bursts out of the locker room. They run with confidence down the corridor. They stop at the paper wall and they just stare at it. Because they don't believe, this is usually what stops us, is unbelief, that that wall can be breached in your life. I'm going to ask you a question here in a few, and I need you to really think about what the enemy has written on your paper wall. What has he written on your paper wall? The Bible says one day I'm going to look at the enemy and say, this, this thing, this little guy, I had a dream about that once, remember that? This, this little dude shook kingdoms and caused men, what? This guy? So how embarrassing, how shameful it would be if we just get to that point and, and we don't practice belief in the Lord and stand on his promises. And to say, well, we can't get through it. And as the crowd obviously would start crying out from the stands, Just take another step. It's paper. Go forward. Go forward. Take another step. It's just paper. It's just paper. It's just paper. As 110,000 people scream at their team. Oh, and then they go through it. (laughs) We're unbelievable. So in a similar way, this, it kind of opens, it kind of, gives us some understanding to this scripture that we had in the beginning in Hebrews that says this great cloud of witnesses surrounds us. 
And, and it's all these saints that have gone before us, and not only the ones from before Christ, but those who have even come after, and, and those who have gone through the flood and the fire, and they've known the triumph of God, and they see the full picture. They're looking down on your life. And I don't know if John Hajar can see me or, or, or see what I'm doing. I don't know if that's true, but can you imagine if the people in heaven were looking at you saying, there's a, there's a heaven, it's true, you can do this. You can get through it. I'm experiencing the reward. I got through it. And they're rooting you on. It's, he's part of the cloud of witnesses. And, and you now, they, these cloud of witnesses, we don't, but they see this full picture now. This full picture of God and who he is and what he wants to do with your life. They see this whole picture and what he's able to do having been through things in their own lives when they were here. Man, they, they, they'd probably be stand up shouting, James, go! Go! What are you doing? Don't give up! You have a great call of God on your life. Go! Just take another step. Don't be silent in a time when God has given you the power of speaking His words. Don't cower under this darkness that the world is experiencing right now, which, by the way, shall soon pass away. These witnesses know that before we even begin, that the victory is ours. This great cloud of witnesses, they know that the victory is ours. And whatever the devil has set before us, it's only paper. It's only paper. The enemy's been defeated. It can't stop us. The only thing that'll stop us is unbelief. So if you think uh, in a similar situation about the children of Israel who came out of bondage in Egypt, they personally witnessed these miracles that God uh, re released to them through the, the hand of Pharaoh, and, and, and they experienced the parting of the Red Sea. And, and, and it was supernatural. It was a fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, and they experienced water coming from a rock and all these supernatural things. And then they got right to their paper wall, right to the border of the promised land, right to the border of what God had promised them. <clears throat> there was something written on it. Whatever it is. And they stopped. Filled with fear, filled with unbelief, hindered by what was really only a paper wall because it was the promise of God that they could have and should have standed on. And they concluded and kind of, and they said in Numbers 13, 33, we are not able to go in. They get right to it. We are not able to go in. They are, there are giants in the land who are so much stronger than us. They're setting themselves up to not go in. Do they not want to go in? Do we not want to find out what God has for us on this earth? We're afraid of what God will ask of us. We're afraid of the sacrifice it would take. So they started setting themselves up. We are grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, there's your first problem. That's how they saw themselves. Therefore, they believed that the enemy saw them that way as well. So if we could kind of be in that cloud of witnesses, what would you say to them? It's right there. Go, move forward. It's paper. We could shout down to them through the timeline of history and say, what are you doing? You're right there. And they never went in, did they? They didn't go in. They settled for it. 
It's for your taking. Now, I remember the scriptures that said, the land is yours, but, but go get it. It's yours. Oh, okay. No, but go get it. The promises that God has promised, they're yours. And amen. amen. But go get them. Don't let a paper wall dictate or hinder what your life is to become. It's yours for the taking. The defenses have departed. And I'm telling you, in our lives we have opposition. And we will be opposed. But the Bible says we will not be overcome. Amen? So the children of Israel, they basically gave in to that lie of the enemy and refused to go in. They, they started to carve out their own race. They were basically content with living in the wilderness the rest of their lives. And when we don't go into the plan of God for our lives, we will spend the rest of our lives in the wilderness. Some of you are experiencing that now, thinking, this is it. I'm just going to try to make it until the Lord comes back. And heaven may be our home if we're like that at the end of our journey, but we will never know the miracles and the power of God. Do you want to see that here? And we'll never know the, the satisfaction of, of walking with Him through these places that I know only He could carry me, Dustin. Only He could carry me through this. But I won't know that until I breach this paper wall. We'll go from church to church. We'll blame preachers. We'll blame people. And the reality is that we simply wouldn't even go through our own personal paper wall. And we can do that for decades. Decades. And it's just paper. So the question today is, what has the devil written on your paper wall? On my paper wall? What has he written? There's some markers down here to the front by the speaker on the right side. You can write what he has written on your paper wall here in just a minute. Be thinking about it. Honesty brings freedom. No one's going to be judged. Oh, they were indicted for the Guilt, shame, unforgiveness, fear, a broken marriage, failure. Write it. Addiction, struggles. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. You've always been a loser. You'll never be anything other than what your mother and your father were. Is that what you've lived under for 40 years? It's time to bust through the paper wall this morning. And there's going to be a whole realm of opportunity for you to be used by God. But sometimes the enemy will just take a marker and draw bricks to make it look real. And it's still paper. It looks impenetrable. You shall not pass. You've come this far, Satan says, no farther. Some of us are struggling with depression and addiction and we're wondering where God is and why would He allow this to happen to my family? That's a paper wall. It's paper. We're going to be wrapping up here in just a moment. We have to lay a hold of the fact that there is nothing that the enemy can put before us that can stop us from being what God has called me to be. And all, all the while, he's gonna, the devil may be writing things on your wall right now and say you'll never break through. And all the while, there's this shout coming from the upper balcony of the stadium of heaven 
saying, go, go through it. We're the cloud of witnesses. We know you can do it. Just go forward. Break through. It's only paper. Man, this is to me today. I need to wake up. I need to snap out of my rut in God. Go through the paper wall. Go through whatever you have to go through. Don't stop just short of unbelief. No matter what the enemy writes on your wall, he is a liar and the father of it. You know what? Agree with Satan. Your past is too too tainted. You know what? My past is fouled up, Satan. But right now, in the name of Jesus, and then move forward. Come on, new hope. We've been in the locker room long enough. Going through the corridor, getting pumped up, swaying, sweat, trusting all of our numbers in the weight room. We have prepared. We have the word in us, and we, we fall short at a piece of paper. There's a battle, right? Just beyond the paper is the call of God on your life. Just beyond the paper. Just beyond the paper is your adventure, is your excitement, is your highs and your lows and the trust in God. But it's on the other side of the paper. And we have to break through it today. Go ahead and and dim some lights. I want you to just think for a moment what the enemy has written on your wall. We must all put on the armor of God. We have to all head down the corridor. We have to all breach the paper wall. The devil can write whatever he wants, but he is not keeping me out of this end time game. Because it's easy to not do anything, say anything. We are going in. We are going to fight. We are going to win. We are going in. Believe in every word that God has spoken to me and has empowered everything that he has trained us to do. Whatever the devil is insisting is stronger than the power of the Holy Spirit within us, within me, within you. Whatever he has written on your paper wall that has kept you from wholeheartedly entering this battle of this last day battle for souls. Speaking of football, I believe that we, we are headed into the Super Bowl of soul winning. And the Bible says, he or she who wins souls is wise. We can't let all of our training end up being in vain. We have to make the choice to believe in God. Don't let these things hinder us. I'm encouraging you to run through your paper wall today. Even if your own heart condemns you, the Bible says that God is greater than my heart. He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give us the strength that we need to be a part of this battle of the souls of men and women for the end times. We are going in knowing even before we start that the battery or the battle is ours. It's ours. It's already won. The victory is won. So what I want to encourage you to do, if you could take down a few more lights, put up some lyrics, let's play a little something. And I want you to come up here, and this is a symbol for you because sometimes visuals really help people. And you know what? I don't care. You, you can write whatever is hindering you. I don't care if you put your flash on and take a picture of it and take that with you and take it to your prayer closet tomorrow morning. It's only paper. It's just paper. But the call of God is on the other side of the paper. And they're saying all through eternity, it's only paper. It's time.
to snap out of it. Go ahead and start the music. Come to the altar. Grab a marker. Write down that struggle. Write down the weakness. Write down what God has written on your paper wall saying you will never get over this. You will never not struggle with this. Just write it down. And if it isn't direct, that's fine. You know what it means. You know what it means. Let's stand, church. Let's stand. Stand this this morning. Come to the altar. Spend some time with God. You don't have to write anything. Come down and pray. God, you have to help me bust through this paper wall. Been rooted in family issues, unforgiveness, unbelief, bitterness towards somebody, confusion. It's hindering me, Lord. It's only paper. If you're not coming to the altar, let's worship Him. There's lyrics on the screen. Lift your hands and surrender. God, I give you whatever the enemy has written on my paper wall, God. I'm giving it to you this morning. There's something powerful about other people knowing that there's brothers and sisters in Christ that also struggle. So if you're like, I don't have anything. Honesty is the best testimony. Transparency is the best testimony. I know what it is in my head. God, give me strength to go down and just, there's something about that. There's something about it. Let other people know you struggle. Be honest. Be honest. Maybe you could walk by and see a couple of them. Start praying for them. Start praying for those bondages, those unbelief. Pray for your brothers and sisters. It's a new day. Your mercies are renewed, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Just be honest. Just be honest. Disrespecting my wife. Treating my husband poorly. Not trusting the Lord. Not trusting you, God. Lack of faith, unbelief, write those things down. Bondage, struggle, addiction. Mad because God didn't heal somebody that's passed away and you don't feel that you can trust Him anymore. Amazing love. Sing that out. 
just as I am, I come. Hallelujah. Oh, what amazing love. Hallelujah, Lord. You are faithful, God. You are faithful, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are good, Lord. Your mercy endures forever, Father. Your grace is enough, Lord Jesus. Your power is limitless, Lord Jesus. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness, Lord. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment I can't condemn. That is my inheritance from you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Tell the enemy no more. No more. Maybe it's abandonment. Unloved. You feel unwanted. You feel like you don't belong. You can't have children. You'll never get married. There's no one for you. There's something about making these visible. Maybe you could just view it as a prayer request. People see them. They can pray for those things. Break through your paper wall this morning. It's just paper. I'm going to read Psalm 18 and then I ask Jim Foster to close us in prayer. Just a few verses out of Psalm 18, verse 6 says, and this is David. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. I'm jumping down to verse 18. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out of a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. 29 says, listen to this, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in Him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. I have wounded them so they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. And verse 46 says this, The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen? Run through your paper wall. It's just paper.